Section thirty nine of From the Tower Window of My Book House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. From the Tower Window of My Book House. Edited by Olive Bupre Miller. Sir Beaumains, The Kitchen Knight. A Legend of the Round Table. The King will follow Christ, and we the King in whom high god had breathed a secret thing fall battle-axe and flash-brand let the king reign it befell in the days of king arthur that there dwelt in orkney with the old king lot and bellicent his queen one last tall son young gareth his elder brothers being gone to serve the king at camelot and bellicent yearning in her heart to keep her last-born by her side to cheer the empty loneliness of her vast re-echoing halls would never yield consent that gareth should leave his father and herself to follow arthur still gareth never ceased from longing that he too might go to camelot to serve the king to ride abroad redressing human wrongs and wiping all things space from out the world ah mother he would cry how can you hold me tethered to your side man am i grown a man's work must i do i must follow the christ the king live pure speak true right wrong follow the king else wherefore was i born so gareth besought his mother continually until at last queen bellicent was wearied of his prayers and cried go if thou wilt but an thou goest i shall hold this one requirement fast thou shalt disguise thyself as a kitchen knave and serve amongst the scullions nor ever tell thine own right name for a twelvemonth and a day by this request the queen thought secretly to keep her gareth by her side for never did she dream that he would still persist and take his way to arthur's service through such mean and lowly vassalage a moment gareth stood silent then he cried though i be but a thrall in person i shall still be free in soul and i shall see the jousts and so he went in company with two old servitors clad like tillers of the soil he journeyed to camelot and there at last upon the royal mount he saw the city rising her spires and turrets pricking through the silver mists and flashing in the sun beneath a splendid carven gate he entered in and ever and anon a knight with flashing arms would pass him by from bower and casement lovely ladies glanced and through the busy streets a healthful people went about the business of the day in such security as comes from sure protection of a strong and gracious king thus gareth passed on to king arthur's hall and there beheld the great king seated on his throne in all the majesty of mighty manhood his tall knights ranged about their eyes clear shining with the light of honour and affection and of faith in their great king thither came many more to make requests or seek for justice of the king but in his turn young gareth stood before the throne and cried a boon sir king i beg thee that thou give me place to serve among thy kitchen knaves a twelvemonth and a day nor ask my name fair son said arthur thou seemest a goodly youth and worth a goodlier boon but if thou askest nothing more then have this thy request 
serve under my steward sir kay now sir kay was a surly man of sour and evil temper i undertake this fellow is a villain born he cried doubtless he hath broken from some abbey or castle where he had not beef and brewis enough but an he do well his work for me he shall be fed like any hog nay cried sir lancelot methinks thou dost not truly judge the lad he looks like one of noble lineage who hides some secret in his scullion clothes noble lineage scoffed sir kay and he were noble he would ask for horse and armour noble forsooth sir beaumains sir fairhands since thou hast no other name i dub thee fairhands off with thee to thy knightly post beside the spit sir fairhands thus it was young gareth came by the name of beaumains which meaneth fairhands obedient to sir kay he served within the sooty kitchen turning the spit drawing water hewing wood washing the greasy pots and kettles and sleeping at night midst grimy kitchen knaves and ever sir kay would harry him and hustle him and mock him beyond all others of his fellows yet for a twelvemonth and a day gareth endured in patience and without complaint and sometimes when there were jousts sir kay would nod him leave to go forgetful then of aught besides he watched the combats eagerly and ever sir lancelot and others of the courtliest knights bespoke him fair reverencing in spite of all his kitchen clothes the nobleness writ on his face so passed the time till gareth had fulfilled in all good faith his vow unto his mother then he sought the king alone and told him all his tale o king he cried make me thy knight in secret let no man know my name until i make a name but give me the first quest make thee my knight the king spake thoughtfully my knights are sworn to vows of utter hardihood of utter purity and gentleness of uttermost obedience to the king but gareth in full fire of youthful spirits answered o my king for hardiness i promise thee for uttermost obedience make demand of kay no gentle master to have served whereat the king loving his lusty youthhood yielded half unwillingly so be it i will make thee my knight in secret that same day there came into the hall attended by her page a lovely damsel with a brow of may-blossom and a cheek of apple-blossom and a nose tip-tilted like the petal of a flower o king she cried linette's my name i come of noble lineage pray give me succour for my sister the lady leonose who by a savage tyrant is shut up within her castle about her dwelling-place a river runs in three great loops and at each pass across the stream three hideous brothers of the tyrant stand all men that ride abroad to do but what they will nor make acknowledgment of any law or king and hate the very name of arthur these three are horrible enough but he the fourth who keeps the last ward by the castle itself a huge man-beast is he of boundless savagery he always rideth armed in black and bears a ghastly skeleton on his arms such are those four that hold my sister prisoner to force her will or nil to wed with one of them 
so am i come to thee to beg the best of all thy knights sir lancelot to save her from the clutches of these beasts hereat rose up the kitchen knave beaumains and called with kindling eyes above the throng a boon sir king grant me the quest much wondered all in that vast hall to hear a wretched scullion speak like this but arthur mindful of his promise said the quest is thine i grant it to thee go then was the damsel wroth fie on thee king she cried i asked for thy chief knight and thou hast given me but a kitchen knave and she in anger took her horse and fled away with that came one and told beaumains that horse and armour stood ready for him the gift of arthur and when he was armed therein there were but few so goodly men as he the people marvelled and the kitchen thralls pressing from out the kitchen to see one who had worked more lustily than any among them mounted and in arms threw up their caps and shouted loud through midst of all this shouting gareth rode away as he drew near lynette he cried damsel the quest is mine lead and i follow but lynette with petulant thumb and finger nipped her slender nose away she shrilled thou smellest all of kitchen grease and look behind there cometh he sir kay thy master to reclaim his kitchen knave for kay angered at seeing his underling thus sent on nightly quest had come pursuing with hot haste in confidence that he should prick the bubble of the young lad's pride by hurling him at once into the dust and so return him to his kitchen vassalage and as he rode the steward bawled ho sir beaumains sir fairhands wait know ye not me your master master no more quoth gareth thou art the most ungentle knight in arthur's court therewith sir kay ran furiously upon him sir gareth met the charge but at the first shock of encounter sir kay fell to the ground so stunned he could not rise then gareth once again cried to the damsel lead and i follow fast she fled away at full speed of her horse when sir gareth won her side she cried weenest thou that i think the more of thee because through some mischance thou hast overthrown thy master nay broach-turner and dishwasher to me thou smellest all of kitchen as before damsel said sir gareth say to me what ye list i will not leave you whatsoever ye say for i have undertaken of king arthur for to achieve your adventure and i shall finish it unto the end maddened at his good words the damsel flashed away again down the long avenues of the boundless wood so they rode on until the dusk when from a hilltop they espied below a gloomy hollow in the deeps whereof a mere red as the round eye of an owl glared in the half-dead sunset and there came flying toward them from the wood a serving-man in great affright o my lord he cried to gareth help me for hereby are six thieves that have taken my master and bound him fast they hate him for that it hath been his work to keep this forest ever free from thieves and even now they are about to slay him bring me thither sir gareth said into the darkening pines they plunged and there amid black shadows saw six tall men hauling a seventh along with a stone about his neck to drown him in the mere 
sir gareth rode full boldly on the thebes one at his first stroke he struck to earth and then another and a third thereat the other three in terror fled and gareth was left master of the field right courteously he loosed the prisoner's bonds and took the stone from off his neck he proved to be a stalwart baron arthur's friend who thanked sir gareth gratefully and prayed him to ride back unto his castle that he might there reward him for his deed sir said sir gareth sharply i will have no reward for the deed's sake only did i do the deed and with his lady he rode on again but Lynette bespake him all as haughtily as before scullion think not that i accept thee aught the more for running down these craven fellows with thy spit a thresher with his flail had scattered them as easily nay for thou smellest of the kitchen still sir gareth only answered say thy say and i will do my deed thus they rode on and ever the lady chid him as before that night they rested in the wood and on the morrow rose and brake their fast then took their horses and rode on their way the sun was scarcely risen above the tree-tops when at length they reached the first pass of the stream that coiled about the castle beyond a bridge that spanned the river with a single arch there rose a silk pavilion yellow in hue with yellow banner flying and before it paced a knight of huge gigantic mould in yellow armour when the yellow knight espied the damsel he cried out ho oh, damsel hast thou brought this knight from arthur's court to be thy champion nay nay sir knight lyneth quoth shrilly this is but a kitchen knave sent by king arthur in much scorn of thee and turning to sir gareth she said sir scullion flee now while thou mayest for here stands one thou wilt not dare to face flee down the valley ere he gets to horse and none will cry thee shame for thou art not knight but knave said gareth damsel i had liefer fight a score of knights than bear the stinging wounds of words like thine then cried the yellow knight a kitchen knave and sent in scorn of me with such i will not deign to fight i will but hurl him from his horse then take his steed and arms and so return him to his cursed king dog cried sir gareth twere well to win my horse and arms ere making thus much talk of taking them he spake and all at fiery speed the two shocked on the bridge their spears both bent but did not break and both knights shot from out their saddles to the ground full quickly they arose and drew their swords and gareth lashed so fiercely with his brand he drave his enemy backward down the bridge whereat the damsel cried well stricken kitchen knave so fought they till sir gareth laid his enemy grovelling on the ground then cried the fallen take not my life i yield and gareth said so this damsel ask it of me good then will i spare thy life insolent scullion cried lynette and all her face flushed rosy red i ask of thee i will be bound for nothing unto thee then shall he die and gareth there unlaced his helmet as to slay him but she shrilled be not so hard sir scullion damsel sir gareth said thy charge to me is pleasure at thy command his life is spared arise sir knight and pass to arthur's hall see that thou crave his pardon for thy crimes thy shield is mine farewell and damsel 
lead and i follow fast away she fled methought but now she cried when i watched thee striking on the bridge the savour of thy kitchen came upon me a little faintlier but the wind hath changed i sent it twentyfold sir gareth answered laughingly the knave that doth thee full service of a knight is all as good meseems as any knight toward freeing of thy sister sir knave she cried thou art peacocked up with thy success but at this next turning thou wilt meet thy match so when they reached the second river loop they saw across a shallow ford a second huge knight all in green armour beholding with lynette one bearing his brother's shield he cried is that my brother there with thee nay piped lynette this is but a kitchen knave that hath overthrown thy brother and taken his arms false traitor bawled the green knight thou shalt die therewith he blew a blast upon a horn all green there came three damsels from a green pavilion and armed him with a shield and spear both green astride a monstrous horse he rushed upon sir gareth in midstream they met at the first shock they brake their spears and then they drew their swords and each gave other battle a long while they fought thus but at the last sir gareth smote the green knight such a buffet on the helm that he fell heavily on his knees and yielded him oh pray thee slay me not sir knight he begged and so sir gareth sent him likewise to the king once more he cried unto lynette lead and i follow quietly she led said gareth hath the wind not changed again nay not to point right soon thou shalt be overcome so they rode on and by mid-afternoon came to the last loop of the river here on a grassy plain there rose a silk pavilion all blood-red and round about on dark and mournful elms were hanging by the neck nigh forty goodly knights a woeful sight these knights the damsel said came hither to do battle for my sister all these the red knights overcame and put to such a shameful death in the same wise will he serve thee a shameful knight who useth shameful customs gareth cried i fear him not and then they saw fast by the stream a sycamore tree and thereon hung an horn the greatest that ever they saw made all of an elephant's bone thereunto sir gareth spurred his horse and blew the horn so eagerly that all the forest rang the red knight issued forth completely armed a huge and threatening figure looming up in sinister blood-red beware sir fool he roared hath not the sight of yonder knights taught thee thou shouldest beware weenest thou that such a shameful sight should make me fear nay truly it but causes me to have more hardihood to meet with thee and so the two knights shocked together on the bridge both fell from off their horses and addressed themselves to battle on foot a fearful struggle followed for this knight hath thrice the strength and fierceness of the other two like boars they fought they hewed great pieces from their harness and their shields oft garret brought the red knight to his knees but ever he vaulted up again and smote the harder till sir gareth panted with the long-drawn struggle but now lynette called out well done knave knight 
well-stricken knight-knave o knave as noble as any knight strike thou art worthy of the table round strike strike the wind will never change again when sir gareth heard her speaking thus he doubled his pace and smote his foe so thick he drave him to the bridge's edge and there at last forced that foul slayer of men to lose his footing so he fell headlong to the stream and then sir gareth cried again unto lynette lead and i follow but the damsel full gently said i lead no longer ride thou at my side thou art the kingliest of kitchen knaves shamed am i that i so reviled thee but i am noble and did think the king had scorned me to give me but a kitchen knave and now thy pardon friend for thou art wholly brave yet ever courteous and gentle withal damsel thou art not all to blame sir gareth said i should have small esteem for any knight who let a maiden's words arouse his anger then cried the damsel now thou hast done enough wonders thou hast done miracles thou canst not turn back and fetch sir lancelot to meet this last gigantic knave i dare not have thee face this hideous man-monster who guards my sister's castle so terrible is he that he never shows his face by day but i have watched him like a phantom glide about at night nor have i ever heard his voice always he hath made a mouthpiece of his page who still reported him as having in himself the strength of ten he calleth himself death oh i beg thee face him not but gareth only went more straightly forward thus they came in gloomy twilight dusk upon the castle and there before it rose a huge pavilion all in black beside which hung a long black horn sir gareth grasped the horn and blew a mighty blast within the palace lights began to twinkle and high up in the tower at one bright window lady leonore's appeared below came sound of muffled voices through the gloom and hollow tramplings up and down while weird misshapen shadows flitted past three times sir gareth blew his eager blast then through the black pavilion's gloomy folds high on a coal-black steed there issued slowly forth the monster knight in coal-black arms whereon in white a ghastly skeleton gleamed and on his helm a grinning skull in the half-light he came advancing but he spake no word thereat in indignation gareth called fool canst thou not trust the strength thy god hath given thee but to make the terror of thee more must trick thyself out thus still the monster spake no word which made the horror of him all the more his black horse bounded forward sir gareth met him with a steady shock then lo what wonder came to pass he of that fearful aspect fell at the first encounter easily to ground he rose and with one stroke sir gareth clove the grinning skull and helmet underneath and out from all that trickery of terror issued but the bright face of a blooming boy o knight he cried slay me not my brothers bade me do it to make a horror all about the place they never dreamed their passes would be passed thus was the lady leonore set free and in the castle was high revel held that eventide that after all their foolish fears he whom they had so dreaded was proven but a blooming boy and in good time some say sir gareth won lynette to be his bride End of section thirty nine. Recording by Maricel Quee.